0: Isn't that the truth? His cross will never lose its power for us, the power of his shed blood for our sins. We don't need another sacrifice. It doesn't need to be another lamb slain. Jesus doesn't have to come back and die for any more sins. Nothing that we can do, nothing that this world can do is going to surprise him in the sense that it's It's something more than what he's already paid for on that cross 2,000 years ago. You and I are set free. We are set free because of the price that Jesus paid for us. As we start our time together in his word today, I I want to ask you to, to join me in speaking that name that is the most powerful name, the most wonderful name Anywhere in the universe, the seen universe, the unseen universe, it's the name Jesus. It's the name Jesus. Would you just right where you are this morning, out loud, will you speak his name back to him this morning? Would you, would you call upon him as friend as we say his name, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. To say his name is really to speak a prayer. His name means Savior. His name means Rescuer. His name means Deliverer. And oh, how many times we need him to deliver us and rescue us and pull us up out of places that we've gotten ourselves into many times. But never does he run short on mercy. Never is he... Is he oblivious to our call, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus. We, we celebrate him today, not just his memory. We celebrate him. We celebrate you, Lord Jesus, the living Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to talk to you this morning, just spend, spend some time on this subject. I've been, I've been waiting for Sunday all week. The Lord just was working this theme into my heart all the way back on Monday of this last week. And here, here's, here, here's the theme, unleashing the might of heaven. Unleashing the might of heaven. Now to introduce things, I want you to get your Bible out and find your way to the book of Second Kings. Second Kings chapter 6. Now I realize that's not a book that that we spend a lot of time in though we ought to spend more time in those as they're called the historical books in the Old Testament first and second kings first and second samuel first and second chronicles it's the story stories of things that happened during those years in the history of Israel it would talk about their enemies. It would talk about the kings and judges that were raised up uh, to deliver, the mighty men and women of war, in, in a sense. Judges would, of course, be one of those to be included as, as, a, as a historical book. But the Apostle Paul would say, that we're supposed to, those living in, the, in the, the age of grace, not under law but under grace, the, the new covenant, the new testament, he, he would say that we're not supposed to treat the Old Testament stories as if that was then and this is now and it's just sort of a little set of history books to be stuffed on a shelf. What he would say about it is in the, in the letter to the Corinthians, we're to treat we're to treat the Old Testament, the Old Testament stories as instruction for us, as examples for us, examples of, of who our God, who our Lord really is, the kinds of things that he did, the kinds of people that he used, the things that he would forgive, the things that mattered to him, the things that would, would concern him, um, his mercy, his power, his, his justness, his righteousness, all of those things we can get from the Old Testament. And I, so so I want to read you a story this morning and follow along, Second Kings chapter six. But as we read this, I don't want you to categorize it as to something that the, the, the power demonstrated in this as something that 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 could just was, that was Old Testament. That was way back then. That it could never happen again today. Remember the apostle Paul would say, we're to treat what we read in the Old Testament. As examples of what God can always do. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, so listen to this. I'll kind of comment as we go along, but this is just an awesome story. It's just awesome. 2 Kings chapter 6 and and verse 8. Now, the king of Aram was warring against Israel, and he counseled with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp, my camp for war, the staging ground evidently for an attack upon Israel. And the man of God, whom we'll find out, his name was Elisha, and the man of God sent word to the king of Israel saying, Beware that you do not pass that place, this place, for the Arameans are coming down there. Now, how how did the man of God know what the king, the enemy king, had planned to do? The Lord told him. The Lord told the prophet what the enemy king was going to do. And from there, the prophet, Elisha, warned the king of Israel to stay away from that place. We continue. The king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him. Thus the prophet warned the king of Israel so that he guarded himself there. The king of Israel guarded himself there. Look, more than once or twice. This didn't just happen once and never to be repeated. This was something of an ongoing situation where the king of Aram would come to a conclusion as to where he was going to place his camp for war And warning would be sent some way to the king of Israel about what was going to happen and the king of Aram's plans were spoiled. Verse 11, now the heart of the king of Aram was enraged over this and he called his servants and said to them, will you tell me which of us is for the king of Israel to put it in our language? We got a leak in my administration. Somebody is telling secrets, and those secrets of our plans are getting back to the king of Israel. I want to know who it is. Who's the leaker? Verse 12, and one of his servants said, no, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom." So he said, this is the king of of Aram, Go and see where he is, that I may send and take him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he, Elisha, is in Dothan. And he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. Now when the attendant of the man of God, Elisha's servant, had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he, Elisha, answered, Do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when they, the enemy forces, the enemy troops, came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people with blindness, I pray. So he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Blindness in the sense that they wouldn't be able to recognize Elisha, that Elisha's identity would be hidden. They could still see, evidently, physically, but their ability to discern who Elisha was, that was forbidden them. The Lord stopped them from recognizing Elisha. Then Elisha said to them, this is not the way, nor is this the city where you're trying to go, where you're trying to find. Follow me, and I'll bring you to the man whom you seek. And he brought brought them to Samaria. And it came about, When they had come into Samaria, that Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. The Lord had caused them to have a blindness of orientation. They didn't know Where they were, they just followed this man whom they didn't recognize, and they ended up in a place that they didn't intend to be, and absolutely it was a place that they didn't want to go because it happened to be the city where the king of Israel and his army was camped. Then the king of Israel, verse 21, the king of Israel, when he saw them, when he saw these the, the, the armies of the, of the Arameans there before him in the place where his, his greatest military strength was to be found, then, then the king of Israel, when he saw them, said to Elisha, my father, speaking to Elisha, my father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? And he answered, you shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? In other words, those who have surrendered to you, they've given up, they've dropped their their weapons, they've they've surrendered to you. you. Would you kill those whom you've taken with your sword and your bow? Set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them, a great feast for enemy troops when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away and they went to their master. Now look at this next statement. And the marauding bands of the Arameans did not come again into the land of Israel. They defeated them, not with weapons of war, but with unexpected, extravagant, Kindness. The enemy troops had come. Now they could be overwhelmed. Now they could be easily taken. But the word of the Lord through the prophet to the king is don't kill them, feed them. Don't kill them. Don't brutalize them. You show them kindness. And let them go and send them back to their king. So overwhelmed was the king with the kindness of Israel toward his men that he withdrew his plans for war and they never again set foot in a hostile way in the land of Israel. Now, isn't that an amazing story? How did Elisha know what nobody else knew except the king, the enemy king in his hidden council quarters? How did he know? The Lord told him. I want you to leave 2 Kings 6. Don't, don't uh, Maybe you can leave a marker there in your Bible because we'll, we'll come back to it. But I want to talk to you along the line of that. That's just an introduction to this theme, unleashing the might of heaven. And how that is tied to what we will call the power of agreement. The power of agreement. The power that is unleashed when somebody down on this earth is in agreement with with what the plan, the heart of heaven is. It is one of the laws, the spiritual laws of the universe. It it is something that cannot be changed. It is something that cannot be broken in a sense. It It is a law when we properly understand it that can take you and me, the the ones we love, into a dimension of power and authority that we would never have known any other way. The power of agreement. Somebody on this earth being in agreement with the heart of heaven such that the person is not saying, God, this is what I'm telling you you need to do. This is how you need to fix this situation. This is what I want. And then having a banny rooster fit until they get it. That's not what this is talking about. Second Chronicles 16, 9. But the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole inhabited earth in order that he may show himself strong in behalf of the one whose heart is completely his. <laughs> Did I quote that again? The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole inhabited earth in order that he may show himself strong in behalf of the one, what? What's the qualification of the one whose heart is completely his? The Lord desires to bear his right arm and show his strength, show his might to deliver, show his might to bless, Show his might to restore and to bring peace and prosperity. When he finds somebody, just one, somebody whose heart is completely his. Someone who is not consumed with his own personal perspective or her own personal preferences but is in a position of need, in a position of of conflict, maybe a a hostile place or an unending season of of difficulty. But in that place, there is one who would be saying, Lord, I want what you want here. I'm not asking you necessarily to shorten it. I'm not asking you necessarily to do things the way I would do it. But I'm here asking you to do what you want done in this place. I surrender my heart to you, Lord. And I ask for your heart to be done in this place. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro to find that one in order that he may strongly support that one. Brother, sister, don't know what you're going through. Don't know how long it's been happening. Don't don't know what the impossibilities are arrayed against you. But here's a word to your heart today. Where the Lord finds your heart lashed to his heart. You have laid down preferences. You've laid down. He knows our hearts. He knows the things that we have desires for. But at the end of the day, what we're saying is, Lord, it's not my will that I'm crying out for. It is your will. I'm asking for your will, your heart, that which is good in your sight, that which is blessing in your sight, that which is freedom according to you, that which is good according to you, I'm asking you for that in this place. I'm just telling you, when you are in that place of agreement, heaven knows your name. Heaven pays attention to your cry and the resources of the might of heaven can come to be your experience to the degree that you need them in order for the will of God to be done, the heart of God to be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Remember how Jesus taught us to pray. It, 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 your kingdom come, Lord. Not my kingdom, your kingdom come, and then your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. There is power that is available There is power that will come to be unleashed through the one who stands as best he or she understands. It stands in the place of agreement, agreement with the heart of God. You remember that that passage in in Ezekiel where, where the Lord, Ezekiel 22, the Lord is saying, I searched for a man. I just was looking for one man who would stand in the gap before me. And if I would find that one person who would stand in the gap before me, crying out for my mercy, for my will to be done, then I would not destroy the land. But the Lord says, I found no one, I found no one who would stand in the gap and agree with my heart. And therefore, he says, the judgment that would come upon the people in the nation because they had continued to turn away from him, it, it was he was wanting someone on the earth to be crying out for his mercy to be expressed. It, it's, it, it's, uh, it, it, it's one of those things we, we're not going to be able to change. You may find yourself in a family line, and, and there's, there's been great debauchery, sin, perversion, whatever it might be. You may find yourself working in a company, in a situation, or having friendships with ones, and and there would be, that verse would rise up in your heart, might be pressed upon you, the Lord saying, I just need somebody to stand in the gap, stand in the gap before me and cry out for my mercy. So that the judgment, so that the, so that the pain of the suffering can stop, that there would be repentance that would be brought in and, and restoration would come. I'm just looking for one who would be in agreement with me. I, I'm praying that this will just that, that, that this will be like a shaft of great warm light that will pierce your heart if you find yourself in a situation like that where you're surrounded by people, surrounded by things, surrounded by a culture that is godless that is God-offensive, that, that could, could care less about anything that would be moral or decent or, or, or unselfish. But some way or another, you're positioned in a place and surrounded like that. This is saying to us and reminding us and calling us forth, the Lord's eyes are roaming to and fro throughout the whole inhabited earth that he may show himself strong in behalf of, in support of, the one whose heart is completely His. That, that's the one qualifying factor is that your heart stays completely His, no matter what's going on around you. But the, the Lord, whether we can see it or not, whether we understand it or not, whether it can be empirically measured or not in the natural, when the Lord finds somebody whose heart is completely his, and that one is standing in a place, a difficult place, a lonely place, whatever kind of place it would be. But the cry is, Lord, I'm asking for your will to be done. I'm asking for your kingdom to come. asking for your will, your heart to be done in this place. It's only a matter of time, child of God. It's not a matter of if. It's just a matter of when. He hears you. He knows you. He sees you. He loves you. He's loyal to you. He will not abandon you and leave you as an orphan. He's coming to you. You hold steady. Sink your feet deep down into that solid ground of who Jesus Christ is, and you keep trusting him and keep agreeing with him. And if the enemy can get us to do anything, he'll try to get a Christian, someone who knows the Lord, who's walking with the Lord, to give up that place of agreement. And to believe the lie that, well, it's not really going to change. Nothing is ever going to happen to be different. And so he tries to distract us, seduce us to believing a lie. But when we refuse that and we hold on to the promise that all of the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. That God is not a man that he should lie. He'll do what he says he'll do. He'll keep his word. He will keep his promise And the instruction that he's given to us to just agree with him will be found to be true again and again and again and again throughout the days of our lives. Now now, now let me, I want you to to leave that story in 2 Kings 6 and go with me to the New Testament for a minute. I want to give you three aspects of what, what this power of agreement is. What is the power of agreement? Number one, number one. It is believing that Jesus, by his Spirit, can speak to you. In order to agree with someone about something, you need to know what that person is putting on the table, what the issue is or the matter is or the, or, or the, the, the fact is that they're asking for our agreement in. For there to be agreement between you and heaven. You need to know, I need to know what it is that the Lord wants me to agree with him on. That means I have to accept, be open to, be ready for the reality that Jesus, by his Spirit, still speaks to people. Now, I'm not saying that the word of God is not to be relied upon. The Lord can speak to us through his written word. The Lord can cause lines of the scripture to just come off the pages and be written across our heart in almost fire. We're convinced that the Lord has spoken. But I need to say this to the church, to the Christian community. The only way that the Lord speaks is not just through the Scripture. Jesus will say, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. At at that point in time, when Jesus spoke that, listen, folks, that was 30, 40, 50 years before Paul had completed his writing of the scripture before Timothy and Peter had completed their writing of the scripture, before John came recorded the revelation, Jesus Jesus was saying to ones who didn't have the New Testament, and many of them wouldn't have had a copy of the Old Testament. But here's what he said to them, John 10, my sheep will hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. For a sheep to hear the voice of the shepherd, it presupposes that the shepherd is speaking. And it presupposes that the sheep have the ability, have the capacity, have the equipment, have the mental aptitude to receive what the shepherd is saying. Now, I know there's some folks out there listening and say, well, I'm, I'm not the apostle Paul, and I'm not John, and, and I'm not Elisha. Well, that's exactly right you ain't. You're not. But if you've opened your heart up and received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, knowing that you're a sinner and you need to be forgiven and believing that he died on the cross to pay for your sins, believing that he was buried, believing that he was raised again on the third day and and, and shouting with, with the rest of the saints when we go come through Easter that Easter is proof That the price that Jesus paid was accepted by the Father, and I am forgiven. it's, It's all about my faith in Jesus. If I have put my trust in Jesus, then I'm a Jesus sheep, and as somebody said, not a religious goat. The religious goats are all about the architecture, all about the form, all about the tradition, all about the pattern, all about how it looks, all about how it is on the outside. That's a religious goat, But a Jesus sheep is somebody who has a relationship with Jesus. It doesn't matter what the church looks like. It doesn't matter what the denomination is. It doesn't matter where the group meets or what nationality or ethnicity. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's just Jesus. My sheep, he said, those who have that relationship with singularly with me, my sheep, Hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. Again, fundamentally, to be in agreement, to be in agreement with heaven so that the force of heaven can be unleashed when we need it and when the Lord desires to pour it out, there needs to be that, that sense that I believe the Lord can speak to me. Now, here, watch, watch how this works. My sheep hear my voice. The word that Jesus uses there for hear is a very precise verb in the original language. It it, it doesn't mean to hear in the sense and walk into a room and you hear the noise of multiple conversations and voices going on in the room. Or or you, you go into a restaurant and you sit down and you hear background music playing, elevator music playing around you. You hear it but it is distant from you. You hear it, but it has no resonation within your heart. The word that Jesus uses here is the word that could be also translated to hear with the mind, to hear with the ears of the mind, to perceive, to understand, to, as we might say, to get it. My sheep have the capacity that when I speak, They're going to get it. They're going to know it's me. They're going to understand what I've said. And then it follows up to also mean to obey. It's clear to them what they have heard. It's clear that it has come from me. They understand it and they take the steps to obey it to do what is said. And will you hold on to this? So so what is the power of agreement? The power of agreement is, first of all, believing that Jesus can speak to you. It may be through the Word. It may be through a Christian friend. It may be through the order of circumstances. It could be any number of ways. But you're going to know that it's from him. And you're going to understand what it is that he's saying. And there's going to be something in you that is going to rise up to want to follow and to want to obey. That's the first thing to notice. But then the second thing is this, the power of agreement not only means that you believe Jesus can speak to you, but it also means that you are embracing what he convinces you is true, that he has said. You are embracing what he has said to you. Not just, I'm talking to some folks. Listen, I'm talking to some folks. They say, I'm not a real church person. I'm not around a church a lot. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a real spiritual something. But if, if Jesus is your Savior, and you're a Jesus sheep and not a religious goat, then you have the capacity to hear him when he speaks to you. And he has a heart to speak to you. But, folks, don't assume that this is just so clearly understood and quickly accepted. It's not. How many categories of our lives do we just assume we don't have any help in? That we're, we're alone, we're stuck with it, we gotta figure it out. There'll be ways to say that. I, I, I'll figure it out. Well, what if in those categories of the, of the areas of your life that you, you worry the most about or concern the most about or you feel so orphaned in the midst of, what? if you opened your heart up to the reality that since you're a Jesus sheep, the shepherd Jesus wants to speak to you in those things and about those things and give you instruction and give you encouragement and cause you to know you're not by yourself. He's not just a Sunday go-to-meeting Savior. He's not just a Sunday church-building Savior. we got to lose that. He is where you are. He's not into crowds. He doesn't have to have a crowd, as we're noticing now. But he has to have you. He wants you. He loves you. I I do weddings, you know. I've done a bunch of them in our ministry years. But here's the thing. I can promise you that when I say, by the authority vested in me of the state of Texas, and, and as a minister of the gospel, I pronounce you husband and wife, and you may kiss your bride, and you may kiss her briefly, <laughs> you know. And 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 I now pronounce you husband and wife. I can promise you that when those two leave wherever that's happening—that chapel or that church setting or that out in some oak tree somewhere—they are looking forward to leaving the crowd behind. Maid of honor. Best man, ma and pa, and all the flower girls and all that, they're going to be in the background because it is time. It is time for the bride and the groom to just be together. Now, I want you to understand this, and, and hear what I'm saying. There are some times when Christian friends get in the way of our relationship with Jesus. We don't feel like we can even talk to the Lord unless we check in with spiritual sister here, or get a readout from spiritual brother here. We've got this low level of who we are in the sight of Jesus. Jesus has a heart for you. He will strategically, at points in our lives, cut out the middleman. The Scripture will say he is jealous over us. He desires for us to want Him and for us to know that He wants us. Listen, He loves you by yourself. You don't have to have any Christian friends around. You don't have to be singing songs. You you don't even have to have your Bible open. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And He wants to talk to you. And He wants you to know that He's equipped you with the spiritual ears to be able to hear something when He says it. So, so, so don't rule out the possibility that directly, not by way of something else or someone else, but directly he wants to say some things to you and he knows how to speak to us in ways that we get it. He, he knows how to he knows how you're wired. And I'm just saying, and I'm, I've said it a bunch over and over and over again, but somehow we just need to be convinced of this. That the Lord doesn't just speak to Billy Graham. Billy Graham's in heaven. The Lord doesn't just speak to super spiritual people or super secluded people. He speaks to businessmen. He speaks to professional women. He speaks to to writers and poets and producers and, and ones that work with their hands. If we'll just open our ears to receive what he might want to say. Okay? Now, will you just... Like, oh, Lord, I want to I unleash the power of heaven in my life, all right? Then one of the ways that that may happen is that the Lord is going to speak something to you that nobody else hears. And on the basis of what he speaks to you, faith is going to rise up in your heart. And what's going to come out of that faith rising up in your heart is the desire to do what he has put in your heart to believe him for. Okay embracing what he convinces you is true. And I want to show you Romans chapter 10, verse 17. This ties so closely with with that verse in John chapter 10. This is Romans 10, 17. Listen Listen to these words from Paul. So faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Say it another way. By the word of Christ, from the word of Christ, originating with the word of Christ, is something to be heard. And the result of that which is heard is faith. Remember now, we we looked at this a while, a few weeks ago. The word faith, to believe, comes from a verb that means to persuade. To have faith, listen, to have faith in the Bible sense means that there is something that I have come to be persuaded is true. I have come to be convinced that it is true. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing means you heard something. That there is a direct correlation between being persuaded of something and being able to believe something and that which you have heard, that which you have heard with the ears of your heart. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And look, the word for word is not the word logos, meaning the whole scope of scripture, the whole book. The word is rhema, meaning a sentence, a phrase, even a literal word, the word of Christ. Something that has been said by Jesus to your heart, to your spirit, you have heard what he has said, and as a result of it, you are persuaded that it is true, equaling faith. Faith, what I have been persuaded is true, comes from having heard something, and what I have heard is a word from Christ. Christ a word about Jesus, a word from Jesus. Amen. Somebody say amen. That there's, that there's, he's opening this up. There's not this super class of only a few who can hear the Lord to their hearts. Paul is saying it's, it's the heart of the shepherd. He loves all of his sheep the same way. He didn't want just the older folks or the middle-aged sheep. They're the only ones who can hear He knows how to holler out so that a teenage sheep can hear. He he knows how to speak to a sheep that's prone to wander off out yonder and get lost. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So what does it mean? What it is, the power of agreement, first, believing that Jesus can speak to you. Secondly, embracing what he convinces you, he has said. Embracing what he has said. That, that's, that's being convinced of, that's being persuaded of. Now folks, you see me say, well, I don't know what all this said. Let me tell you, businessmen who have heard from the Lord something that they, a direction they're supposed to take, and they move with it and they go with it. And it's as if nobody can change their mind because they feel like that's what the Lord has given them to do. They're not joking. They're not kidding. They're not just deceived or delusional. The Lord literally has the ability to speak to a businessman, to speak to a head of a division. And, and take it from there and go over where you, wherever you may be. He loves you enough to address whatever the need may be in your life this day. He has the ability on the heart to speak to you. And as you sense that he is speaking that to you, that has the ability to persuade you this is God. This is the Lord. And what happens with that is faith rises up. And that can dispel the doubt and the fear and the uncertainty. And you've got a direction. Do you need direction in your life? Do you need a course? to walk? Do you you need a sense of a way out or a way through? Ask the shepherd. Ask Jesus, Lord, what do I do? It's not a bad thing to be searching the scriptures, but folks, listen. You can read every verse on direction in the Bible and still not have a sense there's any faith rising up in your heart to pursue it. The Lord, when he speaks to his children, he takes what we read, but he causes that to come off the page And there's a difference between reading truth and experiencing life. It's truth and life. And that's what we're talking about. When he speaks, life rises up. Life rises up. Now, somebody's out there saying, well, I read my Bible all the time. I've got to have a steady, quiet time. Well, is there joy? Is there joy? Is there power in your life? Paul would say the kingdom of God is not words but power. Where's the power in your life? I'm not trying to speak that as condemnation. I'm just saying it needs to be a registry to us somewhere along the line. If there was a loss of power, if there's a sense of just same old, same old, and just trudging our way through and just making the discipline quiet times and the discipline staying away from stuff and so forth in the Christian life. If, if, if all it has become is a dry routine, we need to ask the question of ourselves, where is the power? Where is the joy? And if the answer to that is, I don't know what happened to the joy. I don't know what happened to the power. Then we have the right to come back to Jesus. Instead of searching, I need to find something that, that might apply. Stop what you're doing. Maybe even close your Bible. But open your heart up to him. Lord, is there something you want to say to me? Lord, I'm trying, but I'm drying up. Is there something that you want to say to me? And I'm telling you, folks. He will answer. He will honor the cry of a hungry-hearted child, crying out, Lord, is there something you want to say to me? My sheep hear my voice because I speak to my sheep. And I speak to my sheep not to waste my effort that they couldn't hear it or understand it anyway. I speak to my sheep because what they got when they came to know me as Savior, they got ears to hear now. They've got equipment to be able to process that which is being transmitted from heaven to earth. And as he speaks, faith rises up. And as faith rises up, I'm persuaded, and then the steps then will be taken, which is that last part, acting on it. It, It's believing that Jesus can speak to you. It's embracing what he's convinced you of is true. And then it's acting on it. It's acting on it it's acting on it the spirit of heaven so that's that that's that's a, a brief definition of what it is the power of agreement what it is i'm agreeing with what the lord is speaking to my heart i'm embracing it and my heart is to act on it that's what it is but what does it do what does the power of agreement do what does the power of what does the spiritual power of agreement do first thing is this it has the ability to activate the spirit of revelation. Activate the spirit of revelation in the true knowledge of the Lord. I want you to find Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. It's the first of two prayers that Paul prays for the Ephesian church. But no, notice how he starts this. This is verse 17. Uh, 16 says, while well, making mention of you in my prayers. Then he's verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the true knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be flooded with light, may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of his glory, of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? Here's here's so much of, of a central aspect of this whole matter. Paul is saying, even though he would be the writer of Scripture, and, and he understood the people that he would write to, and he had led many of them to faith in Christ, had lived with them, been with them. But he's saying there's something more than the copy of Scripture. There's something more than the book of Ephesians you're going to need. And what you're going to need in order to really appreciate what's in the book of Ephesians, the letter of the Ephesians, is that you need, and I'm asking the Lord to do this, you need for him to give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation, revelation in the true knowledge of him. It's that word apocalypsis. It means, it means to remove the veil, to, to raise the curtain, to, to, to cause that has which has been murky, cloudy, fuzzy, to suddenly now be clear. That he would give to you the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. That there would be operating in your heart the ability to see things, to know things, to, to uh, feel things that are only known in the spiritual realm. They don't check out on me. Don't, don't, well, that's just, that's just for some weirdos, and they're just going to stay around and be somewhere off in the middle of nowhere, and, and uh, you know, they're not going to count anything. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. He's praying this for business people. He's praying this for husbands and wives. He's praying this for for ones who would have, have employees under them. I'm praying the Lord will give you the ability to see the things that are unseen. The natural realm is only one part of reality. The rest of and the most important part of reality is the unseen realm. I'm praying that God will give you his spirit of wisdom and revelation in the true knowledge of him, that you will be able to see things and know things and feel things that are not observable in the natural realm. Go back to 2 Kings chapter 6, 2 Kings chapter 6, and I want you to see this. You say, well, that's Old Testament. It's Old Testament, but it's an indication of what God can do today. God can do with us today. Today. 2 Kings 6, verse 15. Now, when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was cart circling the city. And his servant said to him, My master, what shall we do? So he answered and said, Do not fear. Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elijah prayed and said, O Lord, open his eyes that he may see. Open his eyes that he may see, like you have opened my eyes that I may see, Elijah would pray. Let him see what I see. And so what was it that he saw? And the Lord opened the servant's eyes. And he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. My brother and my sister, you can want to quit. You can want to give up. You can want to turn tail and run. You can want to go and hide out until the spirit of the Lord's revelation to your heart shows you how many are backing you. How many are with you, even though there may be thousands, if not more, against you? Elisha said, don't be afraid. There are more with us than there are with them. How did he know it? He saw it. Some way or another, he knew it. He sensed it. He saw it. That is, folks, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. And having a sense of what God knows. In our current situation, I'll show you one other verse with, when Jesus was prophesying about what would happen when the Holy Spirit came, the, the invisible presence of Jesus in power and full authority sent from the exalted Christ's position, right hand of the Father, poured back out on the church. The, the the joy that you and I live when we pray, Lord, fill me, Lord, fill me, Lord, fill me. It is the spirit of the exalted Christ, not the crucified Christ, not the suffering Christ, but the one who's already won the victory, the one whom the devil knows is the one who has defeated him and taken his keys to death and hell away. It's that Jesus that we're told to pray for, pray that the spirit would fill us. If you then, being evil, not to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give the Spirit to those who are asking Him? So we're living our days and enjoying our days. Lord, fill me with Your Spirit. Lord, fill me with your, the Spirit of King Jesus. Paul would say. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The Lord Jesus is the Spirit. The Spirit is the Lord Jesus. It's hard for us to wrap our brains around all of that, but that's what Paul did to simplify and clarify that the, the Holy Spirit is the invisible presence of Jesus, the resurrected Christ. So, Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me with your Spirit of wisdom and revelation. This is what, this is what Jesus spoke of, the Spirit, His Spirit who would come. But when he, verse 16, 13, John 16, 13, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, listen to this, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Listen, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will disclose to you what is to come. In your business, do you need to know what's coming? In your business, do you need to know who to hire and not to hire, who to, who to project farther and, to, and, to, and to, a further realm of leadership and authority in your business and so forth? What is it that you need to know about the future? Jesus would say very specifically here, that's one of the roles of the Spirit when my people need to know what the future holds for them and is within the heart of the Father to disclose, to open that up and he knows some things we don't need to know but there are some things we do need to know and we have the right to ask him. He can tell us no, I can't tell you now. It's not for you to know right now but he could also, you have not because you ask not, brother, sister. We have not because we ask not. I'm just trying to reach into your spirit and grab a hold of your soul and just encourage you To operate on the basis of this, my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. He does want to speak to you, and you will have the ability to hear it. It may not be what anybody else sees around you. Nobody else saw what Elisha saw until his servant was given the ability to see similarly. That's the thing about this. When the Lord owns your heart and you're listening to him, he can trust you with unique revelation, with unique discernment and and unique assignments. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. Let me show you one other thing that, out of that 2 Kings 6 that just is a blessing. We'll stop with this. The the main point being here, we unleash the might of heaven when we are in agreement with heaven's heart. Here, Elisha was in agreement with heaven's heart, and and the the, the forces of the angel armies outnumbered the forces of the physical armies. He, He saw something that nobody else saw. I just want you to be encouraged. The Lord can show you some things. Cause you to know some things in your knower that nobody else knows, but you are in the position to follow him and to make the choices to pursue that. Uh, we will read this one more time where it says, "So, so you know, all the enemy army has been delivered into Samaria. The king of Israel has the option: do we kill him or do we show mercy?" And this was the assignment that the Lord heard from the Lord. that that the Lord, that Elisha heard from the Lord. He answered, you shall not kill them, but you set bread and water before them that these may eat and drink and go to their master. He did just that. And then it says in verse 23, and the marauding bands of Amorians, Arameans, did not come again into the land of Israel. What does the Lord require of the old man? Micah 6, 8, but to do what is right, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Not only does he have the ability to deliver us miraculously, supernaturally, but he also has the ability to speak into our hearts what is at the core of his heart, to love mercy, to love mercy. It, the, the enemy was there. They could have wiped him out. No telling what what stories of atrocities had been in decades leading up to that point in time. Now we've got them. And the Lord says, you show them mercy. You show them mercy. You feed them. You give them plenty to drink. And you send them back to their king made no sense in the natural. Just like the Lord may speak to you some things, give you some direction that make no sense in the natural. But the Lord knew that what would bend the heart of that warring enemy king was not just a bigger cannon, just because they didn't have cannons back then. Let's say a bigger sword or a bigger catapult. It wouldn't have been that. It would have been for something completely unexpected to happen to his men, and that was kindness. And as a result of that kindness, that cold-hearted, murderous king stopped, stopped his trying to kill and murder and steal from Israel, and his armies never came back with hostile intent. I need to read you a story, just real quick. This was one of our Facebook reports, and... The name, I'll not share with you, but the power of agreement, the power of agreement, a heart that is in agreement with the Lord, Facebook praise report. So I had applied for unemployment when we first got shut down almost six weeks ago. And I couldn't get a hold of anyone at the unemployment office. Phone was busy for hours, and they still needed more information. I had already just about given up. So yesterday, that's this past week sometime, yesterday I balanced my account to get my tithing ready. I was eager to send it in. I'm grateful through all this, as if she's saying, it's a miracle that I'm grateful And that I'm eager to give out of my need. And then she says, and no job provided. As soon as I sent it in yesterday evening, her tithe in yesterday evening, my unemployment got approved. Thank you, Lord. I'm so grateful. Now you know I, I don't know I, I don't know who gives what I don't I don't I do that on purpose I, I don't I don't want to know who gives what to Alamo City so everybody can be treated the same. For all we knew or I know that the the tithe that she sent could have gone to another congregation and Amen thank the Lord for that but here is the principal point. She was in agreement, the Lord had put it in her heart. You test me now in this and see if I'll not open those of heaven and, and preserve and cause things to extend in a season of drought. She, she embraced that and she acted upon it <laughs> within just a little bit of time after she acted upon it. That breakthrough that she had been praying for, looking for, happened. The eyes of the Lord roamed to and fro throughout the whole inhabited earth that he may show himself strong in behalf of the one whose heart is completely his. It is the spiritual that is in charge of the physical and not the other way around. It is the invisible that is in charge of the visible and not the other way around. My sheep hear my voice tapping into the invisible, and I know them, and they follow me. So as we finish this up today, here's a question. Do you wish in your heart of hearts that you had more power, more power, more power to believe? More power to start and not quit. More more power to give up. Paul said, I want to know him. And I want to keep getting him, getting to know him more and more in the power of his resurrection. My brother, my friend, one who's just listening and you're just kind of checking in from the side. Welcome. We're just so thankful that that you're, you're a part of this some way, even remote, even distant, even with questions. Questions are just fine. The Lord's not scared of questions. He's not intimidated by hesitation. But if there is in your heart a sense that you you need power, you need strength, I want to just encourage you to do that to, to turn 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 your heart toward Jesus. As best you can. may not even be sure he exists. But just just, just try. Just go ahead and th- Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be rescued. It doesn't mean with all the theological words right or all the scripture or everything cleaned up. I got to get cleaned up before I come to Jesus. No. You come to him right where you are. Right, right in the place of the lack of power. Lord, I need strength. I, I need power to quit. I need power to start. I need power to stay on the course. Help me, Lord. Jesus, even to put it this way, Jesus, if you're real, would you have mercy on me? Jesus, if you're real, show me your power. As best I can, I receive you, Jesus, into my life. That won't be wasted breath, brother, and friend. It won't be wasted breath. Amen. Well, I've been waiting all week to get to talk to you about this. Unleashing the might of heaven. Would you just say that out loud back to me? We're Unleashing the might of heaven. And that is because of the power of agreement. The power of agreement. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for opening our hearts. Bless your word, I pray, Lord. Bless your people. Encourage your people. Demonstrate your power in us and to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, and all the Lord's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. One more.